Welcome to episode eight of Early Stoppage. I'm your host, Derek Moody, and on today's episode, I got to chop it up with current Bellator middleweight contender, co-owner of Hurricane Fitness, and stand-up comedian, Gerald Hurricane Harris. We spoke about the differences and similarities between fighting and comedy, who owns the title of Slam King, and his upcoming fight at Bellator 202. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. All right, joining me today is Bellator welterweight and middleweight contender, Gerald Hurricane Harris. Welcome to Early Stopping. Yeah, man, that welterweight thing ain't gonna last long. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought you were done with welterweight. Then you booked a welterweight fight. I didn't book nothing. They booked me as welterweight, man. But what can you say, you know? Um, they did me a big favor because I wasn't supposed to be on this card. Um, I just signed with Bellator, and they, um, they, they, they kind of hooked me up, you know? They, they hooked me up, you know what I mean? Because I was a little disappointed by being on the undercard, but honestly, I wasn't even supposed to be on the card. So I'm like the feature prelim, and hey, if I if I put on a good show, they'll they'll put me in uh they'll put me in the what's the name on the on the main card, you know what I mean? So how did they get you in there? Is it because it's it's in your backyard? It's in, it's in Oklahoma. Yep, man, it's a couple hours away from Tulsa, but. Uh, it's uh it's in my home state man people are excited for me to fight in a big organization in my home state it's gonna be i have a huge following in in tulsa where i'm from oklahoma city you know i got people that's fans from high school wrestlers so they're gonna be they're gonna be in the house man hey y'all shut up damn sorry kids how many kids you have by the way six seven we got eight all together <laughs> okay <laughs> seven kids and one on the way Hey, babe. And one on the way? Yeah, one on the way, man. Come here, babe. Putting in work. Come here. It's a boy. Baby's actually name going to be Kevin Dwayne, named after Kevin Hart and uh, Dwayne Rock Johnson. Okay, okay. I feel you on I that. Want, I just want one retweet. That's all I want. <laughs> all right. Then we're going to change his name. Now, since you brought up the comedy, let's stick to the comedy. Now, how'd you get into it? How'd you get into doing stand-up comedy? Yeah, like most comics, I was funny in high school. And then I actually attended a comedy show. The first comic I saw live was Earthquake. And he just, man, he, I think I almost threw up laughing. He was so good. He's, Earthquake is the reason why I got into comedy. I just wanted to make people feel like that. He made me forget everything that was going on in my life. So um, I, I took it upon myself to go to a comedy club the week after. And then the week after that, I was on the stage. And I've been on the stage ever since. I was 20 years old when that happened, 20 or 21. So I've been doing comedy almost 18 years now. Oof. Yeah, I remember watching Earthquake on Comic View back in the day. See, I saw him before that, man. Well, no, it was actually after, but man, he was so good. He was just he just connected with the audience. His nickname was definitely perfect for for his style oh. on the stage. I mean, it was he's still good though. He found a way to reinvent himself because not too long ago he was on a Everybody Hates Chris. My wife got me tickets to see Earthquake on my birthday. We drove to Dallas in one night, man. It was pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. What can you tell me about the first show you ever did? Oh, man, it was packed. Well, Amateur Nights, I was tearing Amateur Nights up because it was no real strategy. My first big show, I did, I did okay. I wasn't ready. I didn't know what a headliner was. I just got up there and told, like, maybe eight jokes and got off stage. And then I, and after that first time where I kind of bombed in my first headlining gig, I really put some time in. I started writing jokes. I started practicing. 
And then my second time I had my standing special, I, I sold it out and I got a standing ovation. So I got, dude, I got VHS tapes of my comedy shows. That's how <laughs> old my stuff is. So VHS, I mean, you know, you know you old when you got a VHS tape. You got to put it in a VCR. That's how long <laughs> I've been doing comedy. <laughs> now, when you, when you first got on stage, did you have the same nerves you have, like, as entering the octagon? Or is it a different set of nerves? It's, it's the same as wrestling and any performance. Singers, it's just different risk. Um, the scary thing about comedy is you can't tell a really good joke and get off the stage. Um, you can't tell a really bad joke and get off the stage if, if you're getting paid. You know, in fighting or wrestling, you get pinned or knocked out, it's over. <laughs> in comedy, imagine being in a wrestling match, you get pinned and you still got to keep wrestling to do. <laughs> That's what it feels like. So if you tell a bad joke, you got to stay on the stage, man. You got to so, work your way through it. <laughs> you got to, hey, man, it is the hardest thing I've ever did in my life. Um, I did, I get booked to headline. That's 45 minutes, man. 45 minutes on stage and it's like you gotta you gotta hit them in the mouth as soon as you come out now how often are you doing stand-up comedy i don't do it a lot now a couple times a year because i'm focused on fighting and my wife and i run a gym but uh i'm waiting on an approval from comedy central to get my own 30 minute special so that's what i'm focused on right now how long have you been in talks with comedy central it's been a couple months now since december i submitted my video they emailed me back he said, we'll find out in June. So Adam Hunter's the one who hooked me up. Adam Hunter hosted my, my last stand-up comedy special called No Filter. Um, I could tell you right now that was the best performance I ever had in my career. From top to bottom, it was just, it was, it was almost a perfect night for me. And, and Adam Hunter just happened to be there to witness it. So it was really great. And uh, hopefully they, um, Comedy Central picks it up and I get to do it, um, and I guess, in California. It's a 45-minute stand-up, but they keep a half hour. You know? You know what I mean? I'll chop it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's a pretty good transition. So it seems like you already have a path for if you ever decide to exit MMA, you already have something else lined up. Yeah, I mean, fighting ain't going nowhere. I'm, I'm, me and my wife run a gym, so that's, that's my main um, income is the gym. The comedy's kind of extra. Now, if I get this 45 minutes, this 30 minute special with Comedy Central, let's see where that takes me because, man, one good stand-up special can land you movie roles. I can mess around being Medea Part Eight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm gonna tell. I'm just gonna ride the wave when it when it comes. Now you've retired a couple times. One time for what? Three years. One time for half a year, I believe. The first time I retired, I was going through a divorce, fighting for my kids. After I got beat by Josh Berkman, I came home and my D, all my kids were gone. It was just so I just stopped fighting. Um, it was kind of. I took a little break and then they called me to fight Jorge Santiago a year later. Um, if you didn't notice after I lost to Berkman, I didn't fight for a year. I don't think it was, yeah, it was a year. And then uh, he tore my MCL in that fight too. So after I beat Jorge Santiago, I was still single, no kids going to court, divorcing. I had just filed for divorce um, that year. So I wasn't even thinking about fighting. And I'm like, man, I beat George Santiago without even training. Um, I was like, this is dangerous because he's, he's one of my most dangerous opponents. And I just took a break, man. I knew I was coming back, though, the first time. The second time, I, I got on the Ultimate Fighter 25, and I was just, man, I don't know. I don't even like to use the word elated, but I was happy as hell. It was a comeback season. I was in the best shape of my life. 
Everybody, I could have whooped everybody in that. And nothing against them, I would have beat everybody in that house. You know what I'm saying? Jesse Taylor's good, but I'm I'm kryptonite to him. Heavy hands and good takedown defense. You know what I mean? So, and he ended up winning. Everybody knew he was going to win it once I got out. I was one of the number one picks. So I tore my Achilles tendon the day before flying out, and it's just it's been downhill ever since. The UFC never responded when I called an email and told them I was healthy. They just kind of act like they didn't know me, man. You know, it's kind of discouraging. But I was so blind and I was so tunnel vision on um, on uh, the UFC that I didn't see Bellator and World Series and all those other places. So I finally got the call from Bellator. It was last minute, but I said, you know what? This is the only organization I haven't fought for. And what's I don't need a big build up in eight week camp. Let me just go in there and try to knock this dude out. You know what I'm saying? Now you took that that Bellator fight on four days notice, I believe. I had to cut twenty seven pounds in three days, man. And you guys agreed upon uh, one eighty eight? No, asshole. I um, I said one ninety. This ass said one eighty eight. I was mad as hell, man. Cause those last two pounds are really hard to get off. What are you normally walking around at? Like you're about what uh, five weeks from uh, from your next weigh-ins? What are you walking around at right now? Uh, out of shape, I'm two twenty. In shape, I'm 195. So right now, I'm, two, I'm 200 pounds right now. I've been training my butt off. Um, I'm preparing my body to make 170. I No lifting. I'm not lifting any weights at all. I can't. Um, I'm just preparing myself to make 170 for the last time. This is a great matchup for me at that weight class. So I'm going to do, do my best and consider this a farewell party for 170. So after this fight, you have two fights left on at Bellator within this, this contract, what if they throw you another welterweight fight? Can you turn it down? I, I can't say that now. I, I don't plan on fighting welterweight. I, I don't see the point. I'm 38 years old, man. I can't cut, I can't keep cutting 40 pounds. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Me going from 200 to 185 is different than me going from 200 to 170. You know, it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's almost like, hey, let me take this hot knife and. And, and poke you with it, <laughs> you know? It's how it feels when you're cutting weight. You know, you can go for it. hurts. It hurts, man. I don't feel a difference. Um, I physically and mentally feel better with middleweight. And if an athlete tells you that, you should listen to your athletes. Everybody says, oh, you should be. No, you don't know me. You know what I'm saying? Where are you at? Telling me where I should be. You know, people telling me what weight I should fight. They're not here with me and eating these small meals and running every morning. And they just want to see me weigh in and fight. So. I'm a better fighter at 185. After you took that three-year layoff, your first fight back was against Aaron Cobb. He missed weight, like, big time. Did you take that personal? 44 pounds. No, I wasn't even pissed off. Um, that slam looked pissed off. Hey, man, that's how I am in the zone. The thing is, man, what pissed me off is that um, I was a headliner. I had to fight. Um, it's funny because after that fight, DJ Linderman hit me up and goes, Yo, bro, why'd you fight him and you didn't fight me? I said, first of all, you're like 6'3". You used to be a heavyweight, and you were coming down to middleweight for the first time ever, and you were 10 pounds over. So, no, I'm not fighting you because you're going to be two. He was 230 the next day, dude. I was 193 pounds the next day when I fought Legacy. I fought Eric Davila. I said, the dude I just fought is a former 70-pounder that put on hella weight to 220. And that's what he weighs. You know what I'm saying? He, I knew he, he was short. He was about 5'8". 
I said, I can handle that. But you, DJ Linderman, he's a heavyweight. You see him now? He's like 250, 60 pounds. I'm not fighting some dude that's about to, to grow that big. So I, I know how to choose my body. I don't, I don't agree with guys fighting weight. I mean, missing weight. But I was stuck between a rock and a hard place. I'm the headliner. I sold 10000 worth of tickets. I literally had to – if it was Linderman that night, I would have had to fight Linderman, but I would have made him come in the next day at like 95 again. Now, when you fought within the UFC, you had three straight finishes, lost a unanimous decision. What led to you leaving with the 75% wins? I'm going to say it was my manager because me and my manager, I found out my manager was a crook. He was stealing money and all kind of stuff. I don't know if he got into it with Joe Silva, but Joe, Joe Silva just said that we're out of there. He used me as a sacrificial lamb at the time. I don't think I ever fully mentally recovered from that law cut because to me, I know life isn't fair, but you shouldn't use humans as – examples you know what i mean i was like a lab mice and they cut me i didn't deserve to be cut come on man i've seen guys go on five in the ufc and not get cut and then they use your popularity against you but they control your popularity we don't have a a a, a, a foundation like nba nfl players we don't have a draft we don't have a college sport if mma was in college it would change the game you understand what i'm saying we don't have nothing we got to win eight shows on local eight local fights and then get in an organization to try to become famous. How many people you know became famous in the NBA? They didn't. They were famous before they got to the NBA, in college or in high school. Yeah, we knew about LeBron in high school. We've been, yeah, everybody. I heard about um, Steph Curry when he was in college. I heard pretty much every breakout in athlete I know in other major sports. We, we knew them before they got there. You know what I mean? The... Imagine watching a basketball game. You go, oh, that guy's good. Okay, so what? But then you go, oh, he went to North Carolina, and they won a national championship. The guy has a story behind him. MMA fighters don't have a story behind them. Nobody gives a shit about your video with your kids and showing you working. and they, they, That stuff don't draw people in, man. They see that all the time. What draws them in is you need a story behind you. No, I agree completely. You've dealt with two majors, you know, Bellator, UFC. How would you compare Dana White and Scott Coker? I don't know Coker enough to compare him. Dana's cool. I mean, he's like, I some don't. I mean, he's, he is who he is. He's a millionaire. So um, I, do, I did notice that a lot of people don't like millionaires. And I did also notice that a lot of millionaires don't give a fuck. So <laughs> that whatever they're doing is right, whether you like it or not. So we don't always agree with what he says or does. But at the same time, look at the man. He, he was with the organization when it was only worth you know, $2 million. He turned into a billion-dollar company. Nobody can take that away from him. I wouldn't call him the Don King of, of MMA because Don King's a, a crook and Dana's not a crook. He's just set in his own ways. Um, uh, he's a man, though. He's the face of MMA. I don't care what nobody says. But anybody that built something, he's like a parent of MMA. It's like you grow up and your parents talk shit and you, you try to talk back and they're like, look, I I had you in diapers. And that's how that's how... Dana White, he had MMA when it wasn't shit. Nobody wanted it, and it couldn't get on TV, and it was trying to be banned. Now everybody wants to be a part of it, and they're trying to tell him how to do it. You know what I mean? So I ain't got nothing against the dude, except for when he cut me, ass white. <laughs> what was the process like when you joined Bellator? It was cool. You know what? And I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but Bellator reminds me of the old UFC days when it was real personal. Um, when you could talk to management, when you could talk to the matchmaker, when you felt like they actually cared about you, even if they didn't or don't, 
Um, it's, it feels home. I can't believe I wasn't there anytime sooner. I'll tell you one thing. I've always been uh, cautious of Bellator because Bellator is just as hard, but it doesn't have the notoriety. You're fighting these Russians and these Brazilians, and these guys don't have big names. People assume that. Look at Marlon Morales, right? Right In Bellator, he could win 80 fights in a row. People are like, he's a bum. He ain't going to never fight nobody. And look what he's doing over there in the UFC. You know what I'm saying? People still to this day think Ben Askren's a bum. That's so damn stupid because they're blinded to the fact that MMA is not like the NBA or NFL. We don't just have one organization where all the best athletes are. We have three or four. PFL, Andre Harrison is 18-0. and 0. You know, he'd be top five anywhere. Yeah, that's like Ben Askren. Ben Askren could, probably is the best welterweight on the planet. Who knows? He probably is. Man, Ben Askren beat the shit out of GSP. I've been telling people that for years. He would whoop GSP's ass. I mean, if somehow Bellator can get that fight between him and Rory, that's going to be He's going to beat the shit out of Rory. I'm telling you right now. He's going to ragdoll Rory on the ground. People going to say, man, he just laid and prayed. And what he did to that Karishnikov kid or whatever, it just, I mean, it's like that guy is just a freak of nature, man. The, the thing that impresses me the most is that he tells them what he's going to do before the fight. I'm going to take it down. I'm, I'm going to beat your ass. Mm -hmm. His hardest fight was Jay Heron. That was the biggest challenge he had. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Jay Heron's had some – he put some, some pressure on a lot of fighters. Jay, it's a bad matchup for Ben. A guy like me is a bad matchup for Ben. Athletic wrestler, hard to take down, heavy hands. That's all it was, bad matchup. But overall, Ben's a better fighter. Of these three, which was your favorite slam against? David Branch, Aaron Cobb, or Matt McKeon? Who'd you like slamming the most? I like slamming McKeon the most because he talked to me about slamming. So I was kind of glad he got hurt, just to be honest. I don't like the dude personally ever. He still talks shit after the fight, just whatever. Um, Aaron Cobb, it was the most exciting slam I ever had in my life, but I felt bad for the dude because he was a military veteran and uh, he had. I don't know. I just he he's not in the right mental state. He was a small, one seventy lean guy, and he came there a big old fat heavyweight. And he just I don't know. I just hope that he gets better. I don't. I think the Aaron Cobb slam is like entertaining and funny and all that, but I, I did really feel I really felt bad for the guy. You know what I'm saying? We hung out after the fight. Now David Branch is my favorite because of the situation. It was my first UFC big event. I was on a Brock Lesnar card, um, and I got a knockout of the night. But, man, that was – God, that was uh, – even right now I'm getting chills thinking about slamming the dude in MGM Arena. Like, <laughs> come on, man, don't get no better than that. The fight before the main card, like, I don't know. It's cool. I, I, I definitely go on with Branch, man. All right. You might be biased because it's you. But who do you think has better slams? You were Rampage. Rampage has the best slam of all time. Um, he slammed uh, Ricardo Ron. Nothing, nothing compares to that. I think I have the most slam finishes. So he did pass me the torch as a slam king, but I have the most slam finishes. So he has the best slam. I have the most slams. Let's just leave it at that. I'm not doing. I'm not doing a LeBron and Jordan comparison right now. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you a are you a Cleveland fan? Because I know you went to Cleveland State. Yeah, Cleveland State. Uh, I was actually hosted a party, and LeBron came to it when he was in high school. But I'm all I'm a Cavs fan, man. I, 
and I don't even have teams that I'm a fan of, but I watched the Cavs go from – I used to work at the Cavs arena where they was giving away tickets. Like, they were begging people to come to the games. They was bringing in busloads of senior citizens and kids, and you could lay down in the rows. It was just crazy. No, literally, you could walk in the game. You could walk on the court. You could shoot around with the players for the game started. <laughs> it was bad. They sucked. <laughs> and then they got LeBron and everything changed. I mean, it was overnight. Dude was amazing. I mean, he stuck to his word. He brought Cleveland a ring. He brought him a ring. And if he leaves, so what? They should wish him farewell. Like, come on, man. You know, if he leaves, I can't really blame him because the team's playing so poor. He puts up 51 points and they don't win the game. Yeah, you can't blame the dude for leaving. Like, who are they going to draft? They made it to the NBA Finals four years in a row. They're not going to draft anybody, a three that it's not going to be able to draft anybody. So I think it should go to L.A., go to the Lakers. Oh, man, that would be amazing. There it is. They'll go to the Lakers. <laughs> they'll play till his son gets drafted. And then when his son gets drafted, he'll go back to Cleveland with his son, and he'll play one year with his son, and they'll, they'll win a championship. He'll be like 45, but they'll do it. Mark my prediction. How old is son, 13 or something? Uh, He's something like that. He's big. I know no, LeBron that. ain't going to, bro. That dude, he's going to play for a long time. I mean, he's never had any injuries. And I call him, man. Don't be, don't be jinxing LeBron, man. <laughs> now, now back to your uh, MMA career. You're facing back-to-back undefeated fighters and signing with Bellator. Is there any added pressure fighting someone with no losses? I don't have no pressure, man. I just, I, dude, I'm, I'm really at the point where I just want to knock motherfuckers out, like straight up. I'm not bullshitting. Like, I had a long talk with my friend. Like, man, we've been getting by too long getting these wins. Um, I think my injury slowed me down a lot. A lot of people don't know I broke my hand three times, tore my MCL twice, fractured my sternum. Um, I tore my cornea. Uh, I've uh, God, I can't even think of all the injuries I got. Mm, anything else? Oh, torn Achilles tendon. So it built some fears. You know what I mean? I was afraid to throw my right hand because I broke it three times. I was afraid to, you know, take a leg because it got torn my MCL got torn like I started fighting scary you know and I started getting decisions and then when I when I came out of retirement the first time I got that attitude back like when I first started fighting I want to I want to get this over with I want to go home like imagine in comedy if you could tell one good ass joke and then that's it you know you ain't got to do the whole 45 minutes <laughs> that's the yeah, but that's what I want to do. But I'll tell you this, man. When I'm on stage telling jokes and I tell a really good joke, the time goes by so fast, man. It goes by so fast. So, But, it, I mean, it's nothing like a pin or, or a knockout. It's over. And you get paid. <laughs> <laughs> this will be your fourth fight out of your last five in Oklahoma. And I think it's his first fight in the States. How does it feel fighting in front of your home crowd so often? It's cool. A lot of people like it. I, I don't want to um, sound bad, but I don't at times because now I'm selling tickets, um, not on like on some old local stuff, but I got a section of people I want to sit together. So I got about 30 tickets and selling those alone is just a headache, man. People don't got the money. They're going to bring it later. Hold my seats. What time? And when you fight locally, they think that you're a promoter too. What time does it start? Where is it at? I'll be like, Bitch, use Google. Like, look it up. Shit. Bellator.com. Like, leave me to hell. They will text me what time the fight start. I, but I text back Bellator.com. 
Like every answer, I'm I'm actually gonna have to look up the question that you asking me. So <clears throat> when I fight out of town, man, I just I just cut my phone off. I only talk to my wife and I chill. So it's a little. What was it like fighting in Japan at Dream Seventeen? Man, that was crazy, dude. That was that's probably the most fun I've had in my life. I brought my coach over there. His smart ass calling everybody Chinese in Japan, <laughs> and uh, he's just funny as he hood as hell. But I had always wanted to go. I, I want to go to every continent. That's my bucket list. And definitely wanted to go to Asia. So Japan was pretty cool. I've been to England. That was fun. So Europe's off the list. Um, I think I'll pass on Antarctica. So <laughs> Japan was like amazing, dude. I mean, the culture. The thing about Japan I like is when I went to the Bahamas, it was all Americans. And a bunch of foreigners selling us stuff. But when I went to the Baha when I went to Japan, it was just Japanese culture everywhere. You know what I'm saying? That's my mom in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Tell mama here. Bring over here. Hey, you gotta see how loud my mom is. Hey, mama. Say hi. I'm on a podcast. <laughs> Uh, hang on. Are you on a, on a radio? It's live right now, Mama. We recording. <laughs> Hi, Mama. I gotta get off her. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm gonna go and um, I'm gonna listen to you on one of five. No, Mama. <laughs> it's a podcast. He's recording it. I I'll have a link later. I'll show you. Okay. Just say hi to everybody. Bye. All right. Gotta go. <laughs> okay, man. Love you. I love you too. Okay. Bye. -bye. All right. I'm a mama's boy. I mean, I got big old family. My wife got a big family. I have, we have eight children. Two of them are stepkids. And uh, we had, I had four, my wife had two. And then we had two together. So um, my wife and I, uh, we met and got married in two months and we found out she was pregnant on the wedding day. So cool. Yeah, man, I love her. She's like great for me. I've never been in a good relationship for my entire MMA career. So this, really helps me out a lot to be with her and fighting at the same time. So she makes a huge difference. You guys run the gym together, right? We run it together. It's called Hurricane Fitness. Um, we're co-owners. I'm the head trainer and uh, got a guy named Kenny Spotwood who helps me run it. And a guy named uh, Chris, he's a fighter. So he's pretty cool. Okay. Is there anybody in particular that's helping you out with your camp? No. Um, till now, still what's up. Uh, mentally, I talked to King Mo. He's like a mentor to me. Um, I may be going to AKA next week in California to train with Daniel Cormier and those guys, Kyle Crushman. But I just kind of do my own thing. I'm old school. Like, you remember when Ali used to box? He didn't go to a super camp with a bunch of other boxers. He just brought a bunch of guys in to train with him. And I've got about, I've got about 20 guys to train with me. And they come from out of town. They're in town. And uh, we all we all throw down together. We're all champions. I got world championship kickboxers in my camp. I'm just I have a real quiet camp. A lot of people don't understand when I was fighting in the UFC, I was training in the hood. Like I was in the hood for real. It was pit bulls outside. It was three. We only had three dudes in our camp, and none of them was MMA guys. It was me, a football player, and a and a boxer named Alan Green. That was my camp, and I would go roll with these guys at random gyms. And I just worked on my hands. So I've never, I've always built my camp around me. Those three guys turned into 20, you know? Man, you were successful at, you know, during that UFC run. Three out of four. 
There was a kid that was five years old when I started fighting, and now he's in my camp. His name's Corey. He's awesome. He's a 19-year-old college sophomore. He has uh, – he's about 6'3". You know, how do you imagine a kid that, that used to watch you fight grow up and now he's in my camp? Is he going to enter MMA? Is he already trying to sign oh, yeah. up? Oh, he's training. He, he's tough too, man. He's built like John Jones. I think he's 6'3", 6'4". Um, maybe 200 pounds. He's a big old long dude. And uh, I'm going to pass the torch, man. I probably got two or three years left of me of fighting. And then I'm going to be – I want to buy a home and buy a gym, and that's literally all I want to do. After that, I'll be financially stable enough to survive off whatever we bring in. I don't want to be rich. I just want to buy a home and I want to buy a gym. Definitely doable. You already got the gym. Yeah, our rent now, our rent kind of takes all the profits. So I want to buy a building. I want to invest, basically. You know, when I was in the UFC, I wish I would have spent my money wisely, but I didn't. And I'm going to do that this time. And Bellator is giving me the opportunity to feed my family. And that was why I retired. To go back to your question earlier, I was only making a couple thousand dollars at local fights, man. It was just – and the fights are just as tough, man. They're freaking hard, you know, these unknown guys. And I just like, babe, I told my wife, I said, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I said, I'm training my butt off. I'm fighting these hard ass fights. I said, I'm, I'm, I wasn't even selling tickets when I was first started fighting. Now all these promoters had this new idea where everybody's got to sell a certain amount of tickets. And it's really fucking annoying because it's hard for us to train and fight and try to sell tickets. It's really hard, you know? It's too much to focus on. Well, you call a promoter for a reason. Uh, I understand amateurs selling tickets, but pros shouldn't have to sell shit. This is how I feel. On July 13th at Bellator 202, you're going to face 19-0 uh, and 0 Yaroslav Amasov. What do you think he brings to the table? I mean, have you seen any tape on him? He's done every fight in Russia. Yeah, we've seen tape. I mean, he's tough, but everybody is 0-0 zero zero when we step in that cage. Nobody gives a shit about my 20-something wins. I don't care about his 19 wins. All I know is he ain't fought me yet, and I ain't fought him yet. So we got a really good game plan. Got to have a plan A, B, and C. But I don't know. I don't think he's ever fought a dog like me, man. It's about to be something else. So, And he's a young lion. So, I mean, you can you can go either way with this. You know, sometimes the young guy gets in there and put in, you know, like a Yair versus BJ Penn. But BJ Penn had been far from past his prime. I don't feel like I'm past my prime. I don't feel um, like I'm slowing down. I feel better than I did when I first started fighting. I do got one last question. When you fought Rafael Lovato Jr., going into the fight, I was like, okay, Gerald, you know, Rafael's not so good on the feet, on the ground. Yeah. He's a nightmare. So I thought we're going to see some slams, maybe some big shots. Stay away from him. I didn't want to touch him at all. I was like, I'm not going to grab him. I'm not going to shoot. We finna straight box it out. And if, if you watch the video, I knocked him down, and he grabbed my wrist. And that was all she wrote. It was, we were dry. Cause it looked like, like as he was, as he hits the floor, it looks like you went down. I was thinking, no, <laughs> no. Watch, watch it again. And when he goes down, I hit him with an uppercut. And as soon as I hit him with an uppercut, he grabs my wrist and literally pulls me in guard. Even my coach said the same thing. I said, man, what the hell is like going in this guard? He said he pulled me down from the ground. The other thing I thought though is because you had never been submitted in your career that you were comfortable and you were like, okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I was cool. And then I just, I, and when I was there and I said, I ain't never went to the ground this early. We were dry, like seriously. No excuses, I mean, the dude is, I mean, he's a shit. 
But it'd be a different fight if it was second round. You know, I wouldn't have been as damn. Yeah, there was no sweat, nothing. That was nothing. We were literally at that point where we started sticking to each other. He put his feet up on my shoulders, and I couldn't even wiggle out. It was crazy, man. How can your fans stay up to date with you on social media? Man, I'm big on Twitter. Um, I guess Facebook is out of style, but I keep it going. <laughs> Twitter is where I'm at, man. I don't do Snapchat. My wife is a Snapchat queen. I suck at it. I almost deleted the damn app yesterday, but I forgot she'd be sending me stuff. Um, I'm a Twitter dude, man. I like Twitter. It's fast. Um, you can talk crap to people. I don't really talk back to people with fake profiles. I give them one response, but it's hilarious listening to how dumb people are online. You really realize how dumb people are. But you do also learn a lot of things. But Twitter, a G hurricane, the letter G, and then hurricane afterwards. And that's pretty much it. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you being on Early Stoppage today, and I wish you the best of luck at Bellator. Hey, man, appreciate it. Let's uh, let's uh, chop it up maybe afterwards. I mean, this is a good fight, and uh, let's follow this journey in Bellator, man, because my goal is to get that work my, you know, get this middleweight division going. All right, man. Take it easy, brother. Yeah, you too. Okay, that'll wrap up today's episode of Early Stoppage with Gerald Hurricane Harris. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Catch you next time. Peace.